0: Turn with me to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter eighteen. Second Chronicles, chapter eighteen. Chapter eighteen is talking about two different kings. One, the tribe of the two, uh, the king of the two southern tribes, <coughs> Judah and Benjamin, called the Kingdom of Judah. The other, the king of the ten northern tribes, called the king of Israel, or the king of Samaria. The uh, king of, Israel, king of uh, Judah was Jehoshaphat, a godly man, a man whom God gave great blessing and great power, and in fact, uh, kings from all around the country started coming and bringing him gifts, seeking peace. <clears throat> the king of the northern kingdom, you already have heard about, I'm certain, his name was Ahab. He married this little girl who was the daughter of the king of the city of Zidon, uh, and her name was Jezebel, a name that's not often used anymore. But uh, at any rate, uh, uh, they got married. And he went the exact opposite direction from Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat led the children of Judah to serve God. He tore down the the idol-worshiping uh, places and the places where they did the sacrifice. He chopped down the trees that had been carved into idols of Asherah and he just cleaned house and God blessed him because of it. Ahab on the other side, on the other hand, turned to the worship of Baal, the uh, the god of the Moabites and the, and the god of the Zidonians. And he's the one uh, who was king when Elijah met them on the top of Mount Carmel. And there on Mount Carmel, Elijah let the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 priestesses of the groves dance and scream and holler all day long, trying to get their God to send down fire from heaven. And then Elijah tore down their altar about sundown, built his own out of 12 stones, put the wood on it killed the bullock and put it, the meat on it, and then dug a ditch around it. And then he asked for four barrels of water. And they brought four barrels of water and poured it on top. And he said, oh, that's not near enough. And he brought four more, and they did that. And then they brought four more and did that and, and, and poured it on. And by that time, uh, he's kind of got a swamp going up there around the, uh, the altar that he built. And he steps back, and he asks God to hear his prayer and show people who, he, who God was. And the fire fell from heaven and just smoked the whole thing. I mean, burned up the meat, burned up the wood, burned up the stones, and licked up all the water and just left a big, dried, burnt place. And Elijah turned to the people and he said, Okay, who's God? And they said, The Lord. Jehovah. He's God. He is our God. They killed the 450 prophets of Baal and Jezebel heard about it and she said, oh, God do so to me and more also if I don't do to Elijah what he did to the 450 prophets of Baal by tomorrow. And Elijah got scared, went running for his life, got really discouraged, depressed And God sent an angel to come and minister to him. Without going into all that, just let me tell you that when the whole situation was over, Elijah was still the prophet. Ahab was still the king. Jezebel was still the queen. And Jehoshaphat, who was king of Judah, came to make friends with Ahab. That's the beginning of chapter 18. After certain years he went down, verse 2, after certain years he went down to Ahab, to Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. Ramoth is up in this country of Jordan, across the Jordan River, up the, the mountain and across the plateau, about 40 miles from the Jordan River, and uh, which is about 30 miles from the city of Samaria. And, and Ahab... Gets him to go with him and says, will you go with me? And and Jehoshaphat, who's been very successful in battle because of God's blessing, said, sure, I'll go with you. However, let's find a prophet of God and ask him if God wants us to do this. Wow, great idea if you're making plans to do something. Let's ask God. And so Ahab said, Oh, no problem, i got 400 prophets. Self, come talk. tell us what we ought to do. And he calls for his prophets. And one of them has taken a, the only thing I can figure is a Viking helmet. It's got two iron horns coming out of it. And he brings his helmet and he puts it on his head. And he comes to King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat. And he says, God is going to allow you to push the inhabitants of Ramoth, Gilead, just like this ho- this horn would push people. I mean, you're just going to wipe them out. And the other 400 prophets said, yeah, 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 that's the way it's going to be. And Jehoshaphat said, wait, do you have a prophet of God? Now, I know you got lots of prophets. Is there any of them who know God? And Ahab said, well, yeah, there's one, but he never says anything good about me. <laughs> I don't like him. And Ahab says, well, go get him and let's find out. And so here in this passage, uh, they come in verse 12. The messenger that went to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. They're all in agreement. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs and speak thou good. You know, join the crowd. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. Uh, Not a popular position. Okay, He's saying it doesn't matter what Congress says. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. It doesn't matter what the people say. It doesn't matter what the media says. If God says homosexuality is a sin, then I'm going to say homosexuality is a sin. If God says murder is a sin, then I'm going to say murder is a sin. If God says adultery is a sin, I'm going to say adultery is a sin. If God says drunkenness is a sin, I'm going to say drunkenness is a sin. If God says smoking is a sin because it defiles the body, I'm going to say smoking is a sin because it defiles the body. I'm going to say whatever God says. And it's not going to be a popular position, And when he was come to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear, stay home? And he said, Oh, go ye up and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. And the tone of voice in which he said it made Ahab say, How many times shall I tell you, adjure thee, that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? See, what's he saying? He said, drop the sarcasm and tell me what God said. <laughs> okay. And so Micaiah said, I saw all of Israel scattered in the mountains like sheep with no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. Because they got no king, no leadership. And the king said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell thee that he would not prophesy good unto me, but evil? And Micaiah said, yeah. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne, and all the heavens of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. All the angels were gathered around. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he shall go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And Micaiah gives this little story. He says, one of them stepped forward and said, I, I, I'll tell you what we ought to do. I'll go down, and I'll tell all of his quote-unquote quote, prophet friends to say what he wants to hear. And then he'll go. And God said, okay, do it. And he took off and he went. He got down there. They got up to Ramath Gilead, and... Ahab turned to Jehoshaphat and he said, Now you wear your kingly robes. I'm going to dress like a common charioteer. Okay, And I'm going to lead the the army from within. And you stay up here on the hill and you watch. And the king of Ramoth Gilead had said, Hey, don't mess with the common foot soldier. Go after the king. Kill the leadership and then you got it. The rest of them will flee. And so they see Jehoshaphat up there in his royal garments, his royal robes. And they all head after him and they get up there. And Jehoshaphat pulls off his helmet and starts yelling, Wait! 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 I'm not Ahab! I'm not Ahab! I'm Jehoshaphat! And they left him alone. You know who they wanted. They wanted Ahab. We get down into... Further down in the chapter, and it says that an archer, a venture. What's that mean, Brother Casey? That means by chance. You know the poem. He shot an arrow into the air. It fell to earth he knew not where. Well, that's not my favorite. My favorite is I shot an arrow into the air and I missed. <coughs> you know? It went through the harness, the, the, the borders of the harness. It, it went through the edges of his armor and pierced him. And he looked at the driver and grabbed a hold of him, and he says, get me out of here. I'm hurt. And he managed to stay upright in the chariot until evening. And in the evening, he died in the chariot. See, wow. Yeah, just like Micaiah said. Oh, no, the story goes further back than that. Next door to Ahab's palace, his, his, yeah, his palace, was a vineyard. It was right by the, the springs in Samaria. Naboth owned that vineyard. It was his family inheritance. And Ahab went to him one time and said, "I want to, I want to buy your vineyard because I want to put an herb garden in here." And Naboth said, "No, this, this, this is our family property. I can't sell it." And Ahab said, "Well, I want it." Naboth said, "I'm sorry, nothing I can do." And so Ahab goes home and goes to bed, and laying there having a pity party. And Jezebel wants to know why she didn't get an invitation, so she comes and crashes the party. And she said, what's the matter with you? And he said, Naboth won't give me his vineyard. And she said, oh honey, I'll get it for you. And so she set up Naboth and had the men of the village stone him to death. By She paid two false witnesses to testify against him. He dies, and Ahab confiscates the property. And he goes down to see the vineyard and make plans for planting his garden. And Elijah shows up. And Elijah says, You messed up, boy. That's the Casey translation. You messed up, boy. The dogs are gonna lick your blood right here in this place. And Jezebel, because she had a hand in it, they're gonna eat her bone, they're gonna eat her body here. God's not going to let you get by with this. When he died, they took his chariot. When Ahab died, they took his chariot, and they took it to the springs on Naboth's property, and they washed out the chariot, and the dogs came and licked up the blood. A few months later, Jehu comes riding into the... Uh, into the city of Samaria. And Jezebel, sitting up in the window, all painted up, the grieving widow. And Jehu says, who's on the Lord's side? And two servants stick their head out the window and said, we're on the Lord's side. He said, throw her out of the window. And they went through out of the window. She landed in the garden or in the vineyard that Naboth had owned. Jehu went on into the palace and had supper. And when he got done, he said, well, let's go out and take care of the body. They got out there, and the only thing left were the hands and the head. The dogs had eaten the rest of her. That's all introduction. Here's the sermon. You're going to be amazed at how short it is. Number one, God is not ever deceived by our best maneuvers. Ahab knew he wasn't supposed to go down to battle, go do battle against Ramoth Gilead. Micaiah told him. But he thought, well, I'll just take off my kingly robes and I'll dress like a common person and nobody will know who I am. God is never deceived by our best maneuvers. You can't trick God. Secondly, God's word always comes true, His prophecies always come true. Thirdly, Galatians six seven says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. So God's not deceived by our maneuver. God's word is always true, and it always comes true. God is not mocked. Fourth, Proverbs fifteen three, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees everything. There's another passage that says he sees in the dark like it was noonday. So when we think we're hiding in the dark and we're getting by with it, don't you believe it? God sees everything. And number five, and this may be the most important one at all. I told you you're going to be amazed how short this was. Number five, conclusion. God knows the condition of your soul at this very moment. He knows if there's sin that needs to be confessed. He knows whether or not you have trusted Christ as personal Savior. He knows whether or not you've been obedient, following Him in baptism and then following Him in 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 a new walk of life. God knows the exact condition of your soul right now. And because He knows... The Holy Spirit right now is speaking to you about the condition of your soul, and He's already brought something to mind that you need to take care of. And so, without any further ado, we're going to bow our heads, close our eyes. Miss Lou's going to come to the piano. And in just a moment, we're going to sing a verse of an invitation song. And the invitation to you is get right with God, don't put it off any longer, don't think you're tricking God. Don't think your God is deceived. God knows you and He wants you to know you. And He wants you to get right. So that He can bless you like He blessed Jehoshaphat. Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we simply yield this time to You. Ask Your Holy Spirit to come in fullness.